0: That was a real encouragement there, listening to what Ray was saying. I didn't know that about the double-decker bus. And isn't it exciting? It must have been exciting back then. But you know, a lot of that was normal back then. Minibuses, buses, coaches, bringing people to church. And one of the things that really blessed me recently was, was, I knew of its existence, but in the wee room back there, we've got some of the old memorabilia, if you like, and there's a framed picture of a big tree and the tree has i'll I'll bring it out sometime to show you the tree has all the different um, ministries and departments branches if you like of this ministry here back then don't know how long ago that was all the different committees and branches and different missions and all different things and to think that you know the place was that busy that all They had all these departments, had all these uh, branches and different people being part of different ministries and functions in the church. Uh, And so it's so exciting. And, you know, um, we don't just want to get those days back. We want to go beyond that, don't we? And I think at one stage, you know, accounts differ. But there has been at least 80 odd branches of the Foundry Boys in the past. So, you know, think about that. Uh, different things uh, from a, what i'm aware different halls churches and i think even shopfronts so let's let's believe that for that you mean, that just was just one ministry and just one children's ministry in glasgow we really have um, in our city and in the nation we have seen a great falling away haven't we of all different wonderful ministries reaching people getting people saved And setting them on the right path in life. So we want that back, we really do, and we need it back. So praise God for that. Uh, And we're going to have it back in Jesus' name. But what I want to look at just now, we're going to continue, we are continuing um, our series on the precious blood, the blood of Jesus. Because without the blood, we wouldn't be here. The blood is the gateway to everything in the Christian life, the shed blood of Jesus. And, you know, people might say, well, in today's society, today's generation, it's a wee bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We shouldn't speak about blood. We shouldn't speak about, it's so gory. It's such a gory message that we talk about blood being shed. Okay? Okay. We live in a woke generation. We live in a sanitized, so called generation. But, friends, the blood of Jesus is still the only thing that will reduce and destroy and eliminate any barrier between us and God. It's the only thing that will cleanse our sin. It's the only thing that has any merit. You know, when you stand before God on the judgment day, you will not be telling God how great a person you were. You will not be telling God what you did uh, that was good, you know, helping folks across the road and uh, volunteering, at, you know, different charity shops or whatever. You'll not be telling God all those things. Your only plea, your only merit will be the blood of Jesus. And if God says to you, "Why why 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 should I let you spend eternity with me? You'll not go because I was such a great churchgoer or I read 10 chapters a day." or I read 25 chapters a day, you will be saying to the Lord, because I trusted in the blood of your son shed for me on Calvary's tree. The good old-fashioned gospel message. Amen. And you know, there aren't a lot of people faithfully preaching that anymore. And I thank God that I am uh, the pastor of a church where that was and always has been. And as long as I'm here, always will be the central message the gospel of shed blood for the salvation of mankind. So we're going to keep looking at that. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. And um, you know, we were speaking yesterday about the blood. And, you know, it's not unusual for us to be preaching the blood. In fact, I would say if we're omitting to mention the blood, we're not doing. I'm not doing my job. Amen? Because, and you can go to some churches, folks. And the blood of Jesus is never mentioned. And and have they ever mentioned because, oh, well, we don't want to upset folks talking about blood. Well, you know, if you're upset, get right. Amen? Because we're going to be speaking about the blood of the Lamb. And that, see, the Bible says that the life of the soul is in the blood. Amen? So when Jesus gave his blood, he gave his life. He gave the life force that was in him, which was his precious, his life, amen, in his blood. And every drop was given for you and I. Praise God. So Galatians chapter 3, and it says here um, in verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. You see, if in the Old Testament, when God gave the law, If you broke the law, you came under a curse. And if you want to read what the curse was, Deuteronomy chapter 28, from about verse 15 to verse 68, I think it is, lists the curse of the law. And let me just say this to you. You know, there is nobody in this room. There is nobody in human history or the existence of the human race. Not one person never broke the law. I we're not just talking about the Ten Commandments, but even if you look at the Ten Commandments, um, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, folks, how many times in our lives have we put something before God? Amen? Hands up if you've never done that. We've all done it. The Bible says if you break the law in one point, you break it in all. So we're all lawbreakers. So therefore, the curse of the law is upon every single human that's born of Adam. And the only thing that can take away the curse of the law, well, Jesus already did it because it says here, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. That means he bought back by blood. The only thing that can remove the curse of the law is the blood of Jesus. So if you're today a believer in Christ, you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you're redeemed by Christ and you're saved and and, and born again and all that, then you, then you are no longer under the curse of the law. Now, you can stay under the curse of the law if you wish to. Amen? You know, um, I can leave this building today and walk home if I choose to. Or I could get in my car and just drive home. Okay, but nobody's forcing me to get in my car and nobody's forcing me to walk home. It's a choice. Now, the choice from God's point of view has already been made. He's redeemed us. But remember the illustration I gave quite some time back that over here is the land of blessing. And if you stay here in the land of blessing and you're blessed, amen, and everything's wonderful, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, in the land of blessing, but you know a lot of people do it, they don't stay in the land of blessing, they wonder, wonder what, what it's like over here, oh they seem to be having fun, oh, oh, oh do you know what that, that, all that stuff's born, maybe there's some excitement over here, amen, and you know we used to call that backsliding, okay, let me tell you for a time in my life i was the best backslider on planet earth i knew how to backslide i knew how to look over from the land of blessing and go you know what there's fun over there and don't look at me like that because some of you have done the same amen you say i've never backslid praise god but let me just tell you if you've ever backslidden then it's a double blessing because when you get saved, it's a blessing. But when you come back after being backslidden, you get blessed all over again. Now, I wouldn't recommend you backslide to experience that. Amen? But you see, we're redeemed from the curse of the law, so why would you go back under it? So when you drift away from God, you, you'll start to find the curse starts to show. Because the curse is sitting waiting. Satan is sitting waiting. Sin crouches at the door, waiting. Oh, oh, good, they've just left, they've just put their foot over that land of blessing boundary. They're, 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 they're a wee hankering. Amen? Ever had a wee hankering? Let my hair down. Fed up being holy. Amen? People do. Thank God. Thank God he delivers you even from, from the propensity to that. Christ hath redeemed us, so we stay Redeemed. We stay as people who have been brought back from the curse of the law. We stay under the blood. Was it yourself saying that yesterday? I'm going to stay right under the blood. That old chorus. Where the devil can do me no harm. Christ hath redeemed me, so I'm going to stay under the blood. I'm going to stay redeemed. I'm not going to have to go away out like that lost sheep that, you know, um, the, the, the shepherd has to go and find the lost sheep. I'm going to stay found. Amen. Stay under the blood. Christ hath redeemed us. Watch this. From the curse of the law, how did he do it? Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. God knew what he was doing. Jesus knew what he was doing when he allowed himself to be put on a wooden cross, he knew that by doing so, he became a curse. You know, we're not talking here about a curse as in, you know, just things went bad for Jesus for a few hours. He took the curse of all mankind's breaking of the law upon him, every single human. He took that upon him. Imagine the horrors of that on top of the physical uh, agonies of crucifixion. Imagine the spiritual darkness. Why do you do it? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the nations through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blood of Jesus frees us from the curse of the law. You know, go and read the curses. I don't want to do it. We don't really have time to do it, but they're horrible. And they get worse, progressively worse. And it's some of the stuff I wouldn't even mention here. And it's in the Bible. So if you want to read it, Deuteronomy 28. Some of the things that people under the curse of the law end up doing. Why? Because they're cursed people. Because they're lawbreakers. And they don't get right with God. Now friends, we're not living under that dispensation anymore of the law and the old covenant. But we can still live cursed lives by neglecting to walk with God and neglecting to avail ourselves by neglecting to do what that chorus says, I'm going to stay right under the blood. Stay under the blood. It's the safest place for you and I to dwell. Okay? So, the blood of Jesus frees us from the curse of the Lord. Then the next thing I want to look at is Ephesians chapter 2. And it's this. The blood brings you and I close to God. When you're under the blood, when you're availing yourselves of the blood, when you're a blood-bought, blood-washed, blood-cleaned child of God, as, as we are here, when you're availing yourselves of that, then that blood brings you close to God. Look what it says, Ephesians 2, and verse... Let's just read from verse 11. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past gentiles in the flesh. The word gentiles just means nations, but it has that meaning of out with the covenant or out with the commonwealth of Israel. Okay, out with the blessing. You're not in the bless- you weren't in the blessing circle. You were in the nations, the gentiles. You you know, you were the people without a covenant. Wherefore in time past You were Gentiles or nations in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And what that meant was uncircumcision meant you don't have a covenant. Now, in the old covenant, under the law, in what we call Old Testament times, to be part of the covenant of God, if you were a man, you had to be circumcised. Praise God, we're not under that covenant. Amen? Um, so, the circumcised would say, well, we're covenanted, we've all been circumcised, but those folks there, they haven't been circumcised. They're the uncircumcision. And what they meant by that was, not just a physical act of circumcision, what they were saying was, they don't have a covenant with God. And that's what uncircumcision meant to what we would call Jews or Judites. And he says to them, well, because he's writing to Ephesians here, and he says, well, you were once like that. And you didn't have a covenant. You didn't, you didn't have anything to do with the things of God. And, be, and not being Jews, not being Judites, not being under the circumcision covenant of God or, that he gave to Abraham, it, you, you, not having that, you, you were nobodies. Spiritual nobodies. Renegades. Outlaws. He says, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And remember, in the early days of the church, there was this thing that in the early days they only really took the gospel to uh, the circumcised, to other Jews. But it was Paul's ministry in particular where he started to go out beyond the Jewish world and started to go to what we'd call Gentile or nations. And he he would preach the gospel to them. And there was a big contention because some of the early Christians said, you can't do that. They can't get saved. They, they, They can't get saved. And you know, we have that in the church today. Still got that. Oh, you can't preach the gospel to Black folks, they can't get saved. To heathen or to other races, you still have people who believe stuff like that. Amen. But thank God the gospel is for everyone, it's for the nations and for other races, not just the Israelite race, not just, you know, the British Empire, not just uh, white folks. Amen? Or not just, you know, certain folks. So he preached to God. And look what he says here. He says, uh, but now, he says, you were aliens. You, were, you you didn't have a part in this. You you know, you, you weren't even allowed in the building. You had no part in this. You had no covenant. You had no promises. You had nothing. But now, but now, he says, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Because men like Paul went to the nations and says you can get saved too. You don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to be, uh, you know, a, a Judaite. You don't have to go to synagogue as your backstory. Now he cries, Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, in other words, at one point you were miles away, you didn't even have any part in any of this. He says, but now you're made near, you're made nigh by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ brings us all close to God. (coughs) Amen. Whether Jew or Gentile. Or Jew or Greek or, or whatever. Amen? Wherever you are. And wherever you're from. Whatever tribe you belong to. Right? Even if you were a Catholic. Or a proddy. Amen? Or an ath- Thank God. Atheists come to faith, don't they? I'll tell you you'll never find an atheist. In the ICU words of hospital. There are no atheists in ICU ones. We've been there. And let me tell you, when you're in that place, the person who walks in there, ah, there's no God, there's no God. Let me tell you, when their loved one's lying on a table somewhere with tubes coming out of them, they all of a sudden want prayer. They all of a sudden believe in God. So it doesn't matter what your backstory is, your background, your, your, your creed, your race, or all that, we're all made nigh by the blood of Christ. Praise God for it. But let's finish today by looking at the thing that I want us to look at, um, which is quite important. The third thing today about the precious blood. And we looked a little bit at this yesterday, but I wanted to do it today. The blood of Jesus brings you into royalty. It brings you into the royal family. or, Or let me just say bluntly, the blood of Jesus will make you a king in life. Even you ladies, we're not talking about gender, uh, we're talking about a regal position. Romans chapter 5, where we had a reading this morning, let's go back to that. In verse 9 it says, Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, our reading was from Romans chapter 5. I know it was heavy duty. It's, It's very heavy in theology, doctrine. It's one of those... I'm told, and I don't know that it happens so much now, if ever, but I'm told that they used to have uh, lawyers or people who were going to law school, people who were trying to train to become lawyers. I'm told that they would have them read the Book of Romans, because Romans is a legal argument for all the doctrines that are so important to salvation and so on. Uh, I don't know if they still do that. I would, I would be. Surprised if they were still up doing stuff like that. But what I want us to see here is it says we're justified by his blood. Now, justify justification, again, the kind of theological terms, what do they mean? They simply mean to be made righteous. That's what they mean. Okay? And let me explain righteousness to you. If you were to go into the police station today along at Baird Street. And you said to them, eh, am I okay? And I said, why would you ask? <laughs> no, I, I mean, am I okay with the police? Do I have any problems? Do you have any problems with me? Do I have outstanding warrants? Amen? You know, I, I wouldn't advise you to do it, by the way. You might find stuff out that you didn't know. But, if the policeman says, "What's your name, sir?" Blah blah blah, to your, or 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 madam, and then, "Oh no, you're fine. You're, you're you're okay. There's no outstanding warrants. You're not in breach of the law. That we can see. Well, what that means is you walk out of that police station justified." or righteous because you're right with the authorities you're right with the government you're right with the police amen but if the police say oh aye yay we've been looking for you remember when when the police came and said that to to martha when she was talking about she hit that guy out of the head with a tin of treacle and the policeman was kidding her on and says oh yeah we've been looking for you for a while (laughs) it was a joke but that's what i'm talking about aye yay what's your oh aye yay you've you know, you know if you've ever had, what we used to call a producer for your car, remember? Uh, you know, the police would stop you and they would start, you know, oh, that's wrong and that's wrong. You better get that fixed, you've got seven days. And we'd call it a producer. And you had to get your car fixed within seven days and take it back to the police station to prove that you had fixed the problems with your car. You know, I won't tell you where it was a pain to do that. Because it meant you had to go spend money, you had to get it all done, and the producers were were time-limited. And if you didn't get it done in time, or you forgot, or whatever, or you just ignored it, which was crazy, you'd get a chap at the door. And you were then not justified with the police. You You were unrighteous. And that's what I'm trying to say. Justified means to be made righteous. In other words, there's nothing between you and the other person. Or you know when you when you you go to uh, go home and you have a fight with your spouse, I'm sure it never happens. And you go to bed in a huff, amen. And let me say this to you, ladies: when you go to bed in a huff, your husband knows he's not justified with you, amen. He's in the doghouse, all right. He's in, he's in the bad books. There's no justification. There's no righteousness because righteousness means there's nothing between us. So when the Bible says we are justified by his blood, what that means is God is holding nothing against us. And it's not just on that negative side, or God has no problem with us. Okay, righteousness also means we have the right to enter his presence. Amen? Now, you ladies know, that if your husband's in the doghouse, I don't know why I'm pointing to you David, sorry. (laughs) Uh, If your husband's in the doghouse, uh, then he's given the right to come in here and talk to me. Am I right? So righteousness is there's there's nothing. Oh no, everything's wonderful. I love you. You love me. Amen. And that's a rare state in marriages. Anyway, no, I'm not But that's what righteousness is. There's nothing between us. But it's also granting the right to come. To God saying, "There's nothing between us. Come in." Well, how can I bless you? what can I show you today to prove that I love you and to to help you and to bless you and, and prosper you and so on. So righteousness is the ability to walk into God's presence and be in God's presence with nothing, no sin, no problems. And Jesus did that for us by his blood. He brought us close. Because there's no longer anything the blood. Cleansed it all, remitted it all, destroyed it all. Annihilated any barrier. And what I want you to see, that's in verse 9. But look at verse 17. If by one man's offence death reigned by one. That's talking about Adam. Death reigned over the human race because of Adam's fall and sin. How? Much more. Much more they which received abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness. Or the gift of being justified. Which we've just read comes through the blood. So we could read it like this. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and righteousness through the blood. Shall reign as a king in life by one Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus doesn't just cleanse us from sin doesn't just remove barriers between us and God, it brings us into a place where God recognises us as kings, as royalty, as part of his royal family. You know, um, when we Prince George comes into the Queen, she doesn't say, who's that wee guy? Who's that wee scamp? Get him out of here. He's a prince of the realm. Amen. He has the right to go into the throne room and jump up on granny's knee. You and I don't have that right, do we? Imagine you and I, all right, how are we doing? Security. We wouldn't even get that far. But Prince George can run it. She could be talking to Joe Biden or whatever else. Not much of a conversation there, but anyway. He can run in, jump up on granny's knee. Why? He has the right to be there. he's a prince of the realm, he's royalty and God's telling us over and over in this new covenant, you can come boldly to the throne of grace boldly means you don't have to ask permission Amen now, you know, if I'm in the vestry uh, and most people would just come up, oh Bill's in the vestry, knock the door can I come in or can I speak to you Bill? But some folk don't have that. They, they're, they're bold. They just come straight in. All right, well Amen? That's the difference. <clears throat> because some people have the right. And some people, the, the right has to be conferred upon. But we have that gift of righteousness through the blood. And it makes us, it says they'll reign in life as kings in life by Jesus Christ. Uh, running out of time, so I'm going to just show you two other places where this is Demonstrated to us, the blood of Jesus brings you into a place of being royalty or kings. We looked at that yesterday, and it's so important to understand because it means we're not plebs, folks. It means we're not worms of the dust. It means we're part of God's royal family, and we have rights. That's what righteousness also means—that we have rights. Amen. We have we have the right to do certain things. And say we have the right to take his name to people. Remember those uh, the sons of Sceva who were trying to cast out devils and the devils jumped on them and <laughs> beat them up because they didn't have the right. They weren't Christians, they didn't know Jesus. They were just using his name. A lot of churches today are using his name but preaching a false gospel. But God gives us the right to use his name, Jesus gives us the right to use his name. Because we know him. My sheep hear my voice and they know me. Mm -hmm. Now, Revelation chapter 1, very quickly because we're running out of time now. Let me bring this to a close. It says, Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. that's what we've been talking about. Freed from the curse of the law by the blood. Brought closer, having our sins cleansed by the blood. But then look at the next verse and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to whom, or to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's not just washed in the blood and well. He's made us kings and priests. So as you come through that blood, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? As you come through that, you're automatically made a king and a priest. Which means you're automatically made royalty. What a glorious thing. From being a wretch and a car cu- and a scumbag. You don't like using that term, church, but that's accurate, isn't it? We were all scumbags. Even even the nice, 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 nicest of us, <laughs> amen, were a wee bit scumbaggy. Because every the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short. You may have lived a nice goody two shoes life, but Our righteousness is as filthy rags to him. But he took every one of us, cleansed us, and it says he made us kings and priests after washing us in his blood. The very act of cleansing us brought us into royalty. And then Revelation chapter 5 will close with us. And it says here, this is talking about the saints, they sung a new song, verse 9. Saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain, and watch us, and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, not just Jews, not just Israelites, but every people and tongue and tribe. That's why we pray for all men, because we want people to be saved. He's redeemed us to God by Thy blood. And then the next verse, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We have been made royalty by his blood. We've been made kings and priests. If you ladies want to put your queens as well, that's fine. But it simply means we've been made royal. We've been brought into the royal household of God. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're not just a plebe anymore. Amen? We, we are royalty in god's eyes it's time we started believing it it's time we started walking in it it's time we started exercising that authority not in an arrogant and conceited way folks because remember jesus was king of kings the greatest king that ever lived the greatest but he washed the feet of his disciples he came to serve not to be served so folks we are here to serve god and serve our fellow man by bringing them the message of the kingdom the gospel of salvation the good news that jesus christ died for every one of us shed his precious blood amen he's not holding stuff against us he's not condemning us he's not beating us up he's not looking saying "Ah, i know you did last Thursday i saw that that's the god that you've been brought up believing in that ain't the god of the bible and it isn't the God we serve, and it isn't the God that we worship in this church. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. You have to come to Christ, yeah. In why would you stay away? Why would you say, I'll, I'll reject that? Why would you stay under the curse when you can be blessed? Amen, forever. And it's not, I've never said it's going to be an easy life. i never said you'll have no more problems in life. Cherries will fall on you. Amen. You'll be a pot of gold every time you wake up at the foot of your bed. I never said that. Neither did the Bible. But we can live as a blessed people and a righteous people. And we can live as kings and priests and royalty. Amen. The Lord bless you folks.